My dad died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely. How can I best support students in my classroom? The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is the morning meeting. Hi. Welcome to the morning meeting. I'm your host, Mandy Zucker. Today is the last episode of our second season. So I thought I would just spend a little time with you solo today. I wanted to talk about students returning to school as the pandemic is coming more under control and schools, both high schools and colleges, are opening up to more in-person learning. My own son has been going to school two days a week for the past several months at his local high school. Uh, Yesterday, he began four days a week. He reported that there were approximately 10 students in his class, up from about two or three when he was going to school just two mornings a week. And he spoke about how different it felt to see so many people in his classes and how awkward it was to see some people who he hasn't seen in over a year. I think it will take some time for my son, as well as many others, to truly process the changes that they've been through in the past year. Going from three students in a class two days a week to 10 students in a class four days a week will bring up some feelings that have been stirring for the entirety of this pandemic. Today, I'm going to focus on the student experience, but I also want to acknowledge that as much as students are adjusting, so are teachers. Perhaps I'll do another episode about how teachers can adjust and return to schools in my next season. But for today, we're going to center our conversation on the students. So much of this podcast has focused on the difficulties that we've all experienced during this pandemic. Switching from in-person learning to online learning has had so many challenges, physically, socially, emotionally, and mentally. Lack of internet access, lack of space to work, minimal privacy as we've all adjusted to working and schooling from home has made it incredibly difficult to learn and participate in education. Being denied access to friends and physical contact with people that we care about and also being forced to stay in one place for a prolonged period of time with people that we may or may not want to spend time with has been overwhelming for some. Some students have hibernated in their rooms to get the alone time they needed, while others have embraced their housemates, whether that be family or friends, and are now getting ready to leave that cocoon again and reemerge in the academic world. Access to mental health supports has been difficult for some for all of the reasons I already mentioned. Although online counseling services have skyrocketed in the past year and learning without the hands-on instruction and opportunities has truly been challenging for so many students who need different supports than are available just on a screen. 
So as we think about returning more to in-person instruction, I wanted to highlight a few strategies and interventions that may be helpful for teachers to support grieving students who are transitioning back to school. Some students have been learning virtually since March of 2020. These students may have more difficulty returning to school than others who have been doing, who have been using a hybrid model. Some of these students may have family members or even themselves with immune compromises or other physical reasons that they have to stay more isolated. Being in a classroom with other students and staff can be overstimulating after being immersed in such a small, more controlled environment for such a long period of time. Social skills that have not been used may be lacking, as well as coping tools for intense feelings that can surface from being together in public spaces again. I recently read an article, it was like a cartoon that said, you know, it was a guy going back to work for the first time and and it said something like, you know, can I still wear sweatpants even if I wear, you know, a nice shirt on top or um, is it okay if I have stains, you know, below my belly button from the food that I've been eating uh, at lunchtime sitting on a couch? Um, There's a lot of social skills and graces that we probably are all going to have to get used to as we return to a more in-person world. Some of the students that are returning to school may have remained fully virtual because they've experienced multiple losses. Maybe it's because of the virus. Maybe they had to care for ill family members or younger siblings, or maybe they had to take on household responsibilities and chores. Maybe they took on a job to help the family financially. These students have had a lot of new experiences. Some adverse ones that may have been traumatic for them. Educators need to be sensitive to the fact that students may be returning to the classroom different than they were before the pandemic, and they will likely need more support. Other students have been grieving other losses. The world has become more educated about the trauma of police violence on Black people, and we have watched the videos of murders and trials of murderers that have been traumatizing as well. Being home has given more people access to media like this. So we have all likely watched more of these events on TV. These videos may be disturbing on TV almost every day. The reality is we forget how disturbing these images are, but they seep into our unconscious and we are traumatized by them. Asian Americans have also experienced a sharp increase in violence, and some may have chosen to stay home out of fear for their safety. Returning to school can be incredibly frightening for these students who may be wondering what people are truly allies and wondering if they will be safe at school. Transitions are hard for many of us. Lots of us don't like change. And we have all had to live through many changes over the past year or so. Going back to school is yet another change. And educators should be anticipating that it will be difficult for many students. I've always said that transitions are particularly difficult for grievers. At the moment, we're all grieving. Perhaps not a death, 
but we have all lost so much in this pandemic. So that just means that we need to pay attention to all of our students. I also want to acknowledge that there's a general difference in the grief of those who mourn non-COVID related losses than people who are mourning somebody that died in the past year due to COVID. I don't want to generalize too much, but there may be a feeling of not belonging or being left out if you know someone that died from non-COVID-related illnesses during this pandemic. There's been so much focus and attention on COVID, including memorials and moments of silence and media attention around COVID, that those that are mourning a loss not related to the pandemic have shared some anecdotal evidence that these grievers are experiencing some disenfranchisement or the feeling that they don't have the right to grieve. They may feel even more isolated and uncomfortable sharing their feelings with classmates and friends and teachers. This podcast is brought to you by Inner Harbor, providing support and education to grieving students everywhere. Inner Harbor provides workshops and trainings for staff and students, teaching you how to support other grievers. So if you are interested in learning more about how we can educate your class, your fraternity, your sorority, your team, your club, or your agency, go to www.inner-harbor.org to learn more. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and check out all of the other services we offer. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can also sponsor an episode by checking out the sponsorship page on the website. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can go to Apple or Audible podcasts and leave a review. Now back to the show. So what can teachers and other school staff do to support all of their students who are living through so many kinds of different losses? The Coalition to Support Grieving Students, of which I am a member, has put out a paper that I thought was very helpful. I'll summarize it in this episode, and I'll also add some of my own commentary. But if you're interested in reading the paper, you can go to www.grievingstudents.org. So one of the first things that we can do is acknowledge the stress of this transition. Many people are excited to be back in school with friends, which is great. Others are fearful and feel unstable about it. Most people are probably a combination of both of those things. You can actually have opposite feelings all at the same time. Feeling happy and excited while also being apprehensive and fearful is totally normal. And certainly, as students make this huge transition, like going back to school. They can be concerned about health risks, making friends, learning, adjusting to new routines, and leaving the people at home that may be at risk. Teachers can be supportive by providing consistency and a lot of structure so that their students know what to expect. Tell students in advance what is happening and what will happen so they can be prepared and ask any questions they may have to reduce fears. 
but be honest with them if you don't know the answers to all of their questions. You do not need to be strong or pretend that everything is normal. Honestly, that will only reinforce feelings of anxiety if they think everyone else knows something that they don't know or that they are worried when no one else is, right? That won't make them worry less. It will make them feel more alone. So be honest when you don't know the answer or when you're feeling sad or scared. That normalizes their experience and lets them feel more connected rather than alone. Also understand that students who have experienced trauma can be triggered by everyday materials in a classroom. COVID has definitely opened our eyes to the fact that students are dealing with a lot. Many students always were, but I think so many people have become more aware of that fact and also realize that even more people are now dealing with trauma. So that history book that talks about slavery or the images used in a nursing class that depict people on ventilators may trigger memories that can be traumatic for some students. Now, that's not to say you can't show those images or talk about painful moments in our history. But being sensitive to the fact that it can be painful for some is important. Let students know in advance what the materials will be about. Acknowledge when you see something or read something that can be disturbing. You can even allow a little space and time for students to talk about it. You can ask them what it was it like to see these images or to have a discussion about something in history that could be triggering for some of you. If you can, make some accommodations for students. That would go a long way in helping them feel validated in school. If you know that a student has experienced a significant loss during the pandemic, reach out to them in advance. Let them know that you see them, that you're aware of their experience. It opens the door to them coming to you for help. And that's not to say that you have to be there for all of your students. You're not their therapist. You may be going through stuff of your own and actually can't be that present to them all the time. But if they know they can come to you, that means that you can be the one to guide them to the appropriate supports available. So maybe you bring them to the counseling center or the office of religious life or a resident assistant. Maybe you share with them about some clubs on campus or other ways to express themselves creatively. Maybe you give them a flyer for a crisis hotline or a support group in the area. You may be the only person that they felt comfortable enough with to share some feelings or experiences. So even if you can't be their person, you can be open enough for them to come to you so you can get them the support that they need. One thing that teachers can do is to modify work assignments for grieving students. Unfortunately, most schools do not have a standard bereavement policy that allows for missing class or removing homework assignments or changing deadlines for exams after someone has died. So it's up to each teacher to determine what that student needs. That's unfortunate. But for now, my recommendation is to make space 
for some accommodations if possible. Extending deadlines or allowing students to work maybe in small groups or independently if they were supposed to be working in a small group, depending on what works for them, will still allow the teacher to assess for understanding of material while also respecting the fact that grief takes up a lot of brain power and many students need some extra support academically, even if it's just for a while. One final recommendation is to collaborate with your students. As much as some of these recommendations that we've spoken about today can be valuable, each student is different. They had a unique relationship with the person that died. They have their own mental health or illness, their own additional stressors, and their own ways of coping. So making decisions for them, while well-meaning, will often fall flat and maybe feel even condescending. Asking students how they want to be greeted when they return to the classroom after a death or including them in discussions about how to modify the assignments goes a long way in making students feel connected. And connection is really the determinant. It's such a key determinant in healthy coping as an adult. I am always available if you have further questions or comments. This is what I do all day. So if you want to discuss something with me, I do hope you will reach out. The morning meeting is going to take a long break following the summer schedule of most colleges and universities. We will be back after Labor Day, but I hope you will stay in touch all summer. I can be reached at mzucker, Z-U-C-K-E-R, at inner-harbor.org. I also want to give a huge shout out and a great big thanks to Stephen Bluestein, who has been my audio production editor intern for two semesters of college. I would not have been able to produce these shows without him, and I appreciate his help more than he'll ever know. By the way, if you're looking for an internship in podcasting or audio editing, please reach out. I really enjoy doing these shows, but the editing part is definitely not my thing. Anyway, I'm wishing all of you a rejuvenating, peaceful summer. I hope you'll catch up on old episodes of The Morning Meeting until we're back in September. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.